Welcome to the Refine Your Health podcast with Dr. Dion. I'm a primary care physician, and now I can happily add podcaster. Tune in to each episode to hear great information on improving health outcomes, disease prevention, and overall community health advocacy. Thanks for listening. Now let's jump into today's episode to improve your health. Hello, listeners. This is your host, Dr. Dion, and thanks for checking out this episode of Refine Your Health. I'd like to start off by thanking all the listeners out there who have subscribed to the podcast and left five-star reviews on your streaming platform of choice. It is so appreciated. And for those of you who have not subscribed to the podcast, I would encourage you to do so so you can get the latest episode as soon as it is released. So let's just jump into our topic for today, and it's about sleep and why it is important. And so for those of you who may not know me, if you were to talk to a few of my friends, they could tell you that, yes, Dr. Dion enjoys sleep. She makes it a priority. And you may be asking yourself, why is that? Well, sleep allows me to function at my best on a day-to-day basis and allows me to do so in being able to take care of my patients, being able to interact with my relatives and friends and to be present. So you may be saying, okay, that's great. Great. So why are we talking about it now? Well, I came across a statistic and it states that a third of United States adults feel that they are getting less than the recommended amount of sleep. And sleep is important because it impacts your overall health. And sleep does that by improving your immune function. And for those of you who may not be aware, your immune function plays a major role in fighting off infections. So if your immune function is not at its best, you may be at risk for increased infections, for example, such as colds. And appropriate amount of sleep improves your ability to concentrate, focus, as well as being productive. So that can impact you whether it's in school related to academics, if you're a kid or an adult in school or being productive at work. In addition, sleep also can improve your athletic performance. So whether you're a weekend warrior or a professional athlete, it can impact and improve your overall athletic performance. So you may be wondering, okay, that's great. What are the risk factors of not getting enough sleep? Another great question, because some of you may pride yourself on, hey, I only need this amount of sleep and I'm productive. And some of you just may not be aware of If you're getting enough sleep and thinking that you are and you really are not. And so sleep, if you're not getting enough sleep, can increase your risk for chronic diseases. Research has found that insufficient sleep is linked to the increased risk of development of type 2 diabetes. And recent research suggests that optimizing your sleep duration and quality may be important means of improving your blood sugar control. And that indicator is your A1C. So you guys, if you haven't checked out my previous episode about diabetes, your A1C indicates how well your blood sugars are controlled. Another chronic disease that's linked to decreased sleep, and that's persons with obstructive sleep apnea. And if you found to have that, it increases your risk potentially for heart disease, such as high blood pressure, other cardiovascular diseases, such as stroke, coronary artery disease, and heart arrhythmias. And short duration of sleep may be linked to increased body weight. Sleep in child and adolescence is important for brain development, as well as Depression can impact sleep, whether you're sleeping in excess or not getting enough sleep. 
Now, as it relates to poor sleep linked to weight gain in both children and adults, an article published in the Sleep Journal in 2008, and it was a review study that showed that children and adults with short duration of sleep were 89% and 55% more likely to develop obesity, respectively. And numerous factors, I should say, played a role in this, whether it be hormones, as well as the motivation to exercise. Also, sleep deprivation can lead to disruption in your appetite hormones, which may result in poor regulation of your appetite, which can lead to a tendency to consume more calories, which eventually leads to an individual becoming overweight. Some additional risk associated with poor sleep, which I wasn't aware of until I came across this during my research for this episode, was that poor sleep is linked to inflammation, such as in the digestive tract, related to such conditions such as Crohn's disease. And another risk was that sleep may affect emotions as well as social interactions. So it was a research article that showed that if you had decreased sleep, it may affect your ability to recognize certain expressions in individuals, whether they're angry or happy. So that was something interesting that I came across that I wasn't aware of and how sleep plays a role in that. So now that you know what the benefits of sleep and its impact on your health versus risk factors of not getting enough sleep, you may be asking, okay, what is the appropriate amount of sleep? So according to the American Academy of Sleep Medicine, let's start off with newborns. There's no recommendation of sleep for them. But for those of you who have been around newborns, you know they sleep a lot and that's not uncommon during that age. In addition, for infants, 12 to 16 hours per 24 hours, and that's including naps. Toddlers is 11 to 14 hours per day, including naps. For preschool, that is 10 to 13 hours per 24-hour period, including naps. School age, whether it's between 9 to 12 hours per day. And a teen is 8 to 10 hours per 24 hours. But personally speaking for myself, I can remember as a teenager, I felt like I've slept more than that, especially when it wasn't during the school year. And for adults, 18 and above, seven or more hours per night or per 24-hour period is recommended for adequate sleep. So those of you who are getting that appropriate amount of sleep, congratulations, you are doing great and you're on the path to making sure that you are making sure that you maintain overall health by getting adequate sleep. For those of you who have not been getting that amount of sleep based on your age range as recommended by the American Academy of Sleep Medicine, I would say you should start off by looking at your sleep habits and what can be done to improve those. And it's definitely a term that's referred to by the American Academy of Sleep Medicine is called sleep hygiene, or basically it's your sleeping habits. And so you can work on improving those. And they gave some great tips to see if that can be a benefit. And hopefully it can be a benefit for those of you who may not be getting enough sleep. And these are some pretty quick, but yet practical steps that individuals can take. Number one is keeping a consistent sleep schedule, meaning getting up at the same time every day, even on weekends or during vacations. So I must say, I'm not good with complying with that, especially on the weekends or during my vacations. I have a tendency to sleep in a little bit later, but based on this, that's probably not a good habit to have. So I'll probably need to work on that personally for myself. Setting a bedtime that is early enough for you to get at least seven to eight hours of sleep. Also, don't go to bed unless you're sleepy. If you don't fall asleep after 20 minutes, 
It says to get out of bed, go do a quiet activity without a lot of light exposure, especially important to not get on electronics. So those devices that we have out here, you know, our smartphones, don't touch those prior to bedtime based on this, or if you can't sleep prior to going to bed. So leave the electronics alone. Another great recommendation is establishing a relaxing bedtime routine. I know for personally for myself, sometimes I'll just like to pull out a book, start to read that before I wind down before bedtime. So that may be an idea for some of you out there. Use your bed only for two things. That's either sleep or sex. Making your bedroom quiet and relaxing, almost like a sanctuary for yourself. Keeping the room at a comfortable and cool temperature. Limiting exposure to bright light in the evenings. Turning off electronics at least 30 minutes before bedtime. Don't eat a large meal before bedtime. If you're hungry at night, eat a light, healthy snack. Exercise regularly and maintain a healthy diet. So I saw something that was related to exercise. They recommended not exercising before bedtime. So it has to do with a lot of getting your heart rate and things revved up before bedtime, where that's typically supposed to be a calming time and relaxing time prior to bedtime. So That was something that I came across as well. Avoiding consuming caffeine in the afternoon or evening. Avoiding consuming alcohol before bedtime. And reducing your fluid intake before bedtime. So those are some really great practical tips. Some that I've been doing personally for myself. But some areas I need to improve on based on this list. So hopefully this has been helpful for some of you out there who've been having issues getting enough sleep. And you can start kind of slowly implementing some of these practical tips to improve your quality of sleep and duration of sleep. So let's say you've tried to implement all of these recommendations that's provided by the American Academy of Sleep Medicine, and you're still having issues with sleep, then that's even more reason where you may need to see a healthcare provider or your primary care physician to see if you have an underlying sleep disorder. And the major sleep disorders that are out there, I can briefly go over the major ones. Number one is insomnia. And insomnia is the inability to get to sleep or maintain sleep throughout the night. You may have early morning awakening and unable to go to sleep after you are awake. And you may need to rule out some sleep disorders, whether it may be another uh, major sleep disorder or side effects from medications, or if there's some substance abuse or issues of undetected illness or depression. Another major sleep disorder is narcolepsy. It's excessive daytime sleepiness combined with a sudden muscle weakness. And episodes of narcolepsy have been described as sleep attacks where they just may occur at unusual times. Like you may be walking and just drop and go to sleep or it may be during some type of physical activity. Another is restless leg syndrome. It's the unpleasant, creepy sensation, often starting with aches and pains in the legs. And it's relieved when you walk or kicking or moving your legs and sometimes in bed. Another major sleep disorder is one that I see more often in my office and I'm able to assess individuals for is sleep apnea is the the chronic condition. And it's often diagnosed or assessed when patients have a history of snoring or gasping or snorting noises during sleep. They may have some excessive daytime sleepiness. And with sleep apnea, you may be at risk for secondary underlying health conditions such as heart disease or obesity. And so getting these issues addressed, especially if you're not able to get adequate sleep, you may be at risk for some underlying 
major sleep disorder or some undetected illness that hasn't been diagnosed. So it's important if you're not getting adequate sleep or if you're having some of the symptoms that were discussed under some of these major sleep disorders that you seek medical attention for a further evaluation. Now, I'm not going to go into the treatment uh, for these different major sleep disorders because it's too extensive for this episode, but there are different options for management for patients with some of these underlying sleep disorders. So I know I covered a significant amount of information, but it is so important to talk about sleep because it can impact your overall health. So I would encourage you to try to get the appropriate amount of sleep for your age. Those of you who have not been getting enough sleep and you may be having issues that may be at risk for a sleep disorder, especially if you have been implementing some of these sleep hygiene tips that I previously provided from the American Academy of Sleep Medicine, it may be a great idea to keep a sleep diary. And a sleep diary involves you making note of when you go to bed, when you fall asleep, when you wake up, if you take naps, what's your alcohol or caffeine consumption, when you actually get out of bed, um, things of that nature can be a benefit. And you can take that to your healthcare provider, especially if you try to implement some of these health hygiene tips and your sleep quality hasn't improved. So I will put information in the show notes regarding the access to those healthy sleep tips that were provided by the American Academy of Sleep Medicine. Also, I'll provide a link regarding access to a document for a sleep diary. For those of you who say, hey, I've tried these health tips, I'm not getting anywhere. That may be helpful to have prior to going to a healthcare provider for evaluation. They have the appropriate information there from you and how your sleep habits have been going and to assess you for potential underlying sleep disorders or some other undetected illness. So I hope this information has been helpful. Please share it with family and friends who you feel may benefit from this information. And thanks for checking out this episode again. And please leave a five-star review on your streaming platform of choice. And please don't forget to subscribe. And this is your host, Dr. Dion. Take care. I hope you enjoyed the podcast. Please subscribe and feel free to tell your family and friends to check out the podcast. And remember, this podcast is for educational purposes only and the thoughts and opinions do not constitute medical advice.